Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for tuning in today, whether you are listening over at pathtozion.com or you're watching the video over here at YouTube. Thank you for following us. We've been gaining some subscribers on our YouTube channel. If that's you and you're new to the program, welcome. You are always welcome to engage and throw in your opinions towards Scripture um, and what you have learned that I have not learned yet or a different facet of what I'm not seeing. Um, and, of course, testimonies of, testimonies of what the Father's doing in your household, in your life. So join into the discussion if you want to do that. Um, you can even reach out to us on an email platform, patdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Today we're going to jump right into it. Judgment is coming. If you've been watching any of the uh, more recent episodes that we've done, some have just been on my phone and very informal and somewhat spontaneous, we've been talking a lot about a, a an hour of judgment being upon us. And we talked just the last one about how, what, the the... Judgment begins in the house of Elohim, and we we examine briefly the the prophecies that come forth from Ezekiel that he saw this vision where the man clothed in linen um, with the inkhorn is 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 listening to the charge of Yahweh to go and execute righteous judgment upon the people um, in the city, and and Elohim commands this man. Um, this angelic being to start, begin in my sanctuary. And so that's going to be kind of a recurring theme throughout what we're going to talk about here in this series. This will be a three-part series is the plan. I have it broken up into three different components as we talk about judgment is coming. Um, The first one we're going to talk about is endure or escape. Which are we planning for? Which is it that we're being set up to... um, expect. what When we look into the future, whether just in, in current events or eschatology, or hopefully we're not just completely inundated with consuming all these prophetic words that are always coming out from these self-proclaimed prophets that somehow judgment of Yahweh always falls on everybody but them or even us. Um, but what, what are we arriving at? with our expectations, enduring or escaping. The second part we're going to look at is going to be primarily found in Genesis chapter 8 through the account of Noah and the flood event. And and the title of the second part will be Waiting Out the Floodwaters. That one is is very interesting. And then the third one, which will be the conclusion, is a charge to prepare now. And so those are the three high points we're going to hit as we look at judgment is coming. We know it's coming. And what are we going to do about it is really where we will get started here. And before we really get to the meat of what I want to share in this series, we have to lay some groundwork, just some basic guidelines of, of I, can't, I can't just assume we're all preparing for judgment if, in fact, we're not. You know what I'm saying? You have a very large camp that is not preparing for judgment at all. Judgment comes on the evil, non-believing world, and judgment is completely um, outside of the gates of of God's people. Um, And so we're going to talk about that, because few would argue that judgment is coming. That is not anything that's new um, throughout culture, even. Um, Apocalyptic movies and end-of-the-world scenarios and 
and books about it, and I'm not even talking about Christianity, I just mean culture as a whole, entertainments even, is often apocalyptic in nature. A final judgment is coming, calamities here, you know, wars and famine and riots, and this is, this is something very common, especially for our age. Um, so few would argue that point, that, that judgment is in fact coming. Um, the Bible itself is full of warnings, prophecies, instructions um, that came through the prophets, the apostles, the Messiah himself. And few people would disagree with this, especially now if we move within the belief system of those who, who believe the Bible is true in the warnings therein. Um, few people would disagree that there is a judgment that has been pronounced, announced before us, pointing to something that's yet ahead. But many people... Who, who simply follow modern doctrines, casually move through life, convinced that they individually, the church, will be exempt. And in most cases, exempt via removal. Okay, Therefore, it just doesn't really matter what's coming. It's just awful. You won't be here if you know Jesus. So take a deep breath and say a prayer for all the bad people that are going to get the judgment um, in the future age. In other words, judgment that is coming to the earth from this, from this um, rapture-minded thinking, removal thinking, um, the, the, the judgment that comes and how that comes, how it unfolds, will not involve them. And so the fruit, I would present, that the fruit of this belief system um, unpreparedness to endure is all around us. It, the, it is evidenced everywhere you look within people who claim to be in the body of Messiah. Um, but here's the question I want to pose with all these issues aside, many of them we will look into, especially as we look into this part one of judgment is coming, endure or escape. Um, one must settle in themselves. You will have to settle and decide in yourself, in your heart, are you expecting to have to endure anything? Now, I will say, many people are already shaken by the events of three years ago, where there were shutdowns, lockdowns, um, restrictions on travel, and all these different things that we even have to still be careful what we say, which is just another sign of the issue that's at hand and where we are in these times. Um Many people, many Christians who have rapture doctrine firmly in place in their life, an escapism uh, mentality, have already had to wrestle with, why are, we, why are we still here for this? Why are we still here for this level of depravity or this um, issue on the earth that like, man, this, seemed, this seems like in my, in my, in my pre-tribulation thinking... I didn't think I'd be here even for this part. Well, it's going to get much stronger. And so we have to decide individually. We have to, to um, prioritize this in our heart of, of what we are expecting. Are we expecting it all to have to endure anything difficult? Now, now rapture doctrine promises that we'll be spared. Um, the end times level trials and judgment. But is this true biblically? I want to be clear from the very beginning because people could drop off like flies because, oh, this is a pro-rapture, anti-rapture teaching. I'm not interested. It is not that at all. It has to be brought up, though, because why? If we are set in majority numbers to only be removed 
then what I'm going to present from here on about judgment is entirely irrelevant. There would be no point for us to even talk about it if, in fact, I believed that we won't even be here. Because we're talking about judgment coming to what? An evil, um, lawless, and here's where it gets challenging. And why, when it start, This is when it starts to filter into the church, to filter into Yahweh's people. Okay, this is why this matters, and this is why I'm bringing up the judgments coming, because I'm thoroughly convinced that the body of Messiah had better wake from her slumber and realize she is going to have to endure. She's got to endure a coming age. Okay, so that's why we have to talk about doctrines such as rapture, pre-tribulation, post, mid, all these things. We will talk about in very small measure, but only because, again, we have to lay a basic groundwork level understanding of why what I'm going to pr propose in the other parts, and even later in this part one, why this even matters to us. Again, if you are in the Christian majority rapture, I'm out of here before anything bad, really bad happens, camp, then you will not care about everything else I'm presenting because you're going to assume this is for someone else. So we have to run to the word. We have to allow the Bible alone to show us, well, is this true? This, this choice that we have of setting ourselves now to endure or to merely escape. Because guess what, friends? It's not up to us. It's not up to our personal preference. Why? Because all of us would choose escapism. We would all choose that. That's why the the rapture doctrine is gobbled up by the masses. Of course I'd rather get out of here. Get the bad people. Of course I would rather have that in my own individualistic, selfish mentality. Let the judgment fall on those guys and get me out of here, right? Think about how many hymns have been sung throughout modern, and I say modern through the 1800s even, you know, back a couple hundred years, all about that. Escapism. When we get to heaven, when we leave this old wretched earth, when we go away from here, the sweet by and by, angels and, and, our, and our friends and neighbors and, and our aunts and uncles and grandparents walking through the pearly gates of heaven. Why? Get your mind off of down here and just hold on this horrible wretched world until you get out of here when Jesus comes back. And so we're going to encounter that, again, in light measure, in order to establish that I would say, according to the word alone, not our opinion or modern doctrines, we must set ourselves to endure and not merely escape. We'll start with Yeshua speaking in Matthew chapter 24, verse 20. He talks about what was prophesied that we see in, in, back in the book of Daniel, beginning to unfold, and he says this, "'Pray that your escape will not happen in winter or on Sabbath.'" Now, isn't that interesting? We have to hit the pause button whenever we see these things throughout the text because of our program, Rediscovering the Ancient Way. That's what Yeshua was always pointing back to. And this is talking about a future age now, an escape, not in, this, not in the sense, we, we don't have time for all these unpackings. Escape is not rapture. He's not talking about this escape into the heavenlies where your clothes land on the ground folded and you shoot up into space like all these old, you know, cheesy Christian movies have depicted. We don't have time to explain all that, but pray that it doesn't happen in winter or on Sabbath. I thought Sabbath was done away with. Now we're in the Sabbath rest. This is talking about a literal Sabbath day. Moving on. 
For then there will be great trouble, such as not happened since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And unless those days were cut short, no one would be delivered. Let me read that again. Unless those days, these days of great trouble that's never happened since the beginning and will never happen again, unless those days were cut short, no one would be delivered. Friend, do do you hear that? Unless these days were shortened, no one would make it. This part concludes in Matthew chapter 24, but for the sake of the chosen, those days will be cut short. This is Father's mercy. This is Yahweh's mercy, desiring none to perish, right? But he knows most will choose to perish. Most will choose lawlessness, which is sin, rebellion, and go their own way. But he is making a way by cutting the day short, or else no one, friend, would be delivered, okay? Yeshua, as he's literally walking to the execution stake, it's been dubbed the cross, that's kind of, we can get into that whole distraction, but he's, he's walking to the end of his natural life. As he's walking along now, imagine this is what's being spoken in that exact moment. The very end of his natural life is coming to a close. In Luke chapter 23, verses 27 through 31, he says this, Yeshua speaks these words, As a great multitude of people was following him, including women who were mourning and singing dirges for him. Yeshua, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but for yourselves and for your children. For indeed, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are barren, and the wombs that never gave birth, and the breasts that did not feed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us! And to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 16 through 19 specifically. If anyone suffers for following Messiah, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify Elohim in this name, the name of Messiah. For the time has come for judgment to begin... With the house of Elohim. If judgment begins with us first, what will be the end for those who disobey the good news of Elohim? I say this with regularity, almost every program really for the last couple years. Yeshua became salvation to those who obey him. Okay? Yeshua became salvation. That is a broad umbrella. He became salvation for all mankind who would obey him. That is so important for us to understand. And as we see this in 1 Peter chapter 4, this is spoken, that point is spoken too. For judgment's going to begin with the house of Elohim, and if judgment, be, judgment begins with us first, what will be the end for those who disobey the good news of Elohim? We've talked about that on the program before. Yeshua's salvation for those who obey him. Okay? So if you disobey the good news of Elohim, what in the world is going to happen to those? Now, this continues, If it is with difficulty that the righteous will be saved, what shall become of the ungodly and the sinner? 
So then, those who suffer according to Elohim's will, let them trust their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. We say a lot here, what is good? Who defines good? It's not your Baptist doctrine. It's not my personal understanding of the Bible. It's not up to you nor me or any doctrines of men. Good is tov. One individual, Yahweh Elohim, says what is good. He defined what is good, what is right, what is pleasing in his sight. Everything else is not up for our discretion. So we must know we, be, we need to be continually doing good, okay, and reminded always as we look to the future, knowing the judgment is coming, and whether or not we are set to endure to, or to escape, that it is, diff, it is with difficulty that the righteous will be saved, okay? Difficulty here is with much work. I'm sorry, mainline Christian, I'm sorry. We talk about works all the time on the program here because it is the fruit, it is the evidence, it is the the response to the grace and faith that I possess. Grace that I'm given and faith that I possess, putting my faith that these words are in fact true and that Yeshua is the Son who says what? My Father Yahweh is salvation. I believe that, and thereby it has to look like something works. So this difficulty, with with great difficulty, the righteous will be saved. It is with much work with uh, and scarcely and very rarely, okay? So it requires much work, and guess what? <laughs> They're scarce. This is very rare. There is... There are not very many righteous who will be saved with great difficulty, okay? We have to understand this principle. This is the perfect segue, I would presume, in our, into our primary text for today, which will be the account of Noah, primarily the flood event. Noah, what? A righteous man. He was a righteous man that was, with great difficulty, delivered, rescued, and saved. We are going to spend a lot of time, probably the next hour, broken up into several parts, about the the account of Noah because of the verse we're about to read. That Noah, this snapshot that we have of Noah, this little glimpse of his life, who he was, what made him who he was, what he did because of who he was, and what was accomplished because of what he did because of who he was. That's a mouthful. That is not in my notes, of course. <laughs> Noah was a righteous man that was, with great difficulty, delivered, rescued, and saved. The perfect example, okay? The goings-on in humanity in Noah's day is essential for us to understand, okay? Without going into all this, we talked about this in great length across the street here a few weeks ago in our, in our Older Testament study that we're doing. Mixing had reached catastrophic proportions, okay? That's a whole other issue that, that could easily get us distracted, but that was the main issue. Mixing was amongst mankind. So, to that point, Messiah is speaking in Matthew chapter 24. This is also in Luke 17 as well. He says this, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. We know this, right? We've heard this our whole lives if you've been in the church. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, excuse me, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Pause. 
I have heard this preached my whole life in my childhood Baptist upbringing. I probably taught it myself when I became on staff at a church 20 years ago. I'm sure I, I spoke to this point right here, and I said the following. I regurgitated what I heard, which is like, see, men are just going to be distracted. Men are going to be getting married. They're going to be drinking alcohol. They're going to be eating, but we don't really talk about indulgent eating in the body of Messiah. That's, that's somehow different than drunkenness, according to our own terms and not the Bible's. But they're just going to be preoccupied, and thereby they're, they're going to just miss um, the judgment that was coming. Now, that is true down here, but there's a whole lot of layers on top of that that, that, that makes this go much, much deeper than mere negligence, okay? They weren't just so busy they missed the flood. Okay, let's just simplify. There's a lot more to it than that. We have to continue reading the text of what Matthew 24 shows us Yeshua was saying. Because this part that stuck out to me is very, very intriguing. So people are, are marrying, giving, uh, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And this continues to say this. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. They did not understand, okay? Without getting into a word study on every single thing that we read here today, which I could do and, and, and really enjoy, there's more to it than just mere busyness. Because people say, be careful if you go to the football game, and be careful if you do. Yes and amen, and you've heard me if you ever watch the program. I can rail against entertainments and sports and all the distractions of life, movies, cultural events, uh, cultural presentations that get you to look over here instead of real matters. That is, of course, a major factor towards many things that will keep us from perceiving the times and the seasons. Yes, that is a part. But this text specifically, Yeshua says, they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. They literally lacked the understanding and the perception to see what was right in front of their noses in the age that they were living. And this continues, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay? So just like that, people will fail to understand the season that they're living in. Many times, in this case, until the flood came and took them all away, and it was too late. Verse 40 of Matthew 24, and we got to get moving here. At that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and one will be left. Who gets taken and who gets left, friend? You've heard your whole life, more than likely, the evil are, are, um, take, are, are left for ju God's judgment, Yahweh's wrath to come, and the righteous man is taken away. There's one in the field, good guy, bad guy. The good guy is sucked up into space with Jesus, which is interesting because Jesus comes down to earth. He won't be up there anyway. And he says, where I'm going, you're going to be. He's going to be on earth, but men get sucked up into heaven. we got some doctrinal issues here. I want to present that the days of Noah principle is more about what men were not doing than what they were doing. Okay. I would propose for your consideration, this is not as much about men drinking, eating, marrying, giving away in marriage, okay? But it's more about what they weren't doing. They were not understanding 
the times and the seasons of the age that they were living in. They were literally not perceiving, they were not discerning that they were living in an hour of judgment. That, I would say, for your consideration, was the biggest issue at hand that Yeshua is warning us thousands of years ago, recorded for us in Matthew chapter 24, just like that, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Okay? They did not understand or perceive the age that they were, the, that they were living within. They didn't understand that judgment was coming to the earth to them. Major point, highlight, underline. The Christian majority that many boldly pronounce that they are lawless. We do not need a law. Yeshua came and did away with that. We are lawless. By biblical definition, we do not need law. The Bible prophesies that a lawless people will be the ones who fall away and are considered unrighteous. Okay? So, I would propose for consideration, just like those in Noah's day, the ones in the, in the age of the coming of the Son of Man will also not understand or perceive that the judgment that is coming to earth is coming to them until the flood is already here, metaphorically speaking. Another point that we have to briefly mention before we move further is the one taken, one left phrase. As is the case with endless biblical accounts, as we see with the flood, who was taken and who remained in the flood event. You don't have to wait too long to answer that question, right? The righteous were the ones who remained in the ark of safety, provision, deliverance, and they rode out the judgment, and the unrighteous evil men were removed. They were, let's just be blunt and just like simple as we, they were killed. They died in their transgressions. They were removed. It is a very simple principle, but still very, very overlooked in our age. As is the case with endless biblical accounts. As we see with the flood, who was taken and who remained. The masses have to be willing to set aside their inherited rapture doctrine and look at what the Word alone tells us. The evil are removed. The righteous inherit the land. That is a constant biblical pattern that we see time in time, in time again. I'm going to ask a question, then we're going to have to make this multiple parts. Um, if you have thoroughly studied the Word, I mean really studied it now, if you've spent years looking into pre-tribulation doctrine, and you still believe that you're out of here, I don't argue with people who have truly studied for themselves and have established biblically a doctrinal position on a matter that disagrees with mine. But here's the question. Have you studied that yourself? Like, have you dedicated months and years to solidifying that that's in fact true according to this and not according to popular teaching? Popular teaching will not save us. It will not preserve us. It, it's incapable. But if you have studied this and you believe that you are out of here, do you ever, ever, ever wonder when you read the Word and see all the endless examples of the righteous man inheriting the land and remaining and the evil are removed, do you ever wonder, what if I'm wrong? 
ever. Like when you lay in bed at night, what if I'm wrong and we're, we're still here? The question is, are you walking in righteousness? Are you in any way postured, ready to endure if things don't pan out the way that you think they will? Because again, these ones in the days of Noah that Yeshua said will be just like the sons of man. They did not, the son of man's return, they did not understand the judgment was coming until it came and took them away. Took them away. While the righteous remained on the land rode out the judgment, literally, and settled and repopulated the inherited land that had been cleansed of the unrighteous evil lawlessness. The mixing had been cleansed, purged from the land, and the righteous were allowed to once again inherit, establish, inhabit the land. So, are you ready for and prepared to endure well in your heart now? In your heart. I'm not talking about stockpiles of food. I'm not talking about guns and ammo. I'm not talking about watching out for the boogeyman and assembling a militia group. I'm not talking about that in the slightest molecule, okay? Are you walking in righteousness? Are you walking in righteousness as a set-apart, holy, consecrated man who is what? Understanding the times. Perceiving what's happening. I would say that one cannot rightly face what is ahead if you have absolutely no expectation to be any part of it. There's simply no need to prepare. There's no need to be ready. None of us prepare for what we do not expect to affect us. If I live in North Dakota, I have no preparations in place for a hurricane evacuation. Right? I have nothing in place for that. If I live in Miami, Florida, I have no winter gear. I don't have ski boots. I don't have a snowboard. You understand what I'm saying? We prepare for what we are expecting to be a part of. If we do not expect something, we have no purpose or need to prepare for it. So as we get this started, and we'll move into another part here to talk about endure or escape, which are we postured and prepared to do, friends, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming to the house of Elohim. As we talked about again in the last episode, Yahweh is saying, go out from my sanctuary. And it will cover the entire earth in his timing, not mine, not yours. But friends, judgment is coming. Are we prepared to endure? Or are we only looking to escape? We're going to talk about that more in part two. Come back uh, for more right after this.